today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Cash and Carry Kitchens. At the heart of Irish homes for over 40 years. Cashandcarrykitchens.ie Email todaycb at rte.ie Israel says today that two male Israeli hostages have been rescued in a raid in Rafah overnight following reports of intense Israeli airstrikes on the southern Gazan city and this follows warnings from the international community over Israel's planned offensive in that city. There are 1.5 million people sheltering in Rafah. In a moment I'll speak to Dr Patrick Bury, who's defence and security expert at the University of Bath. But first with the very latest I'm joined on the line by the BBC's international Editor Jeremy Bowen. Jeremy, thank you for joining us this morning and, and good morning to you. Um, what can you tell us firstly about the overnight raid which saw the rescue of those two Israeli hostages? Well, the Israelis say that they knew that those men were there, that they'd been planning this for an awfully long time. And when they went in there, they sent a commando team in to get the two guys out. But that was under cover of an absolutely, by the sounds of things, massive bombardment from land, sea and air. And in the course of that, they killed at least 60 Palestinians because it's a very densely populated area. So uh, while it's great news for the families concerned of the Israelis and also think of the Israeli government and the Israeli military, there's more tragedy laid on tragedy for the Palestinians who are trapped in, in Rafah and who, as you said, um, there have been loads of warnings, not least from the Americans to Israel, saying don't attack Rafa until you can find a way of trying to safeguard the lives of civilians. And what do we know about Israeli plans for Rafa? Well, we don't know much except that Netanyahu said it's going to happen. Uh, but he says he's, that the army needs to go in there to continue their fight against Hamas. Um, but he's also said that the army needs to, first of all, find a way of doing it which preserves civilian lives. I don't see how that's possible because there isn't anywhere safe in Gaza, that's clear. Uh, thousands and thousands, getting up to 30,000 people have been killed in Gaza in the last four months, many, many of whom, probably the majority, outright majority, are, are civilians. So I don't really see how you can find a safe haven for civilians in a relatively tiny area. Mm-hmm. And we don't know anything about the timeline of what Israel has planned, whether it will be specific operations like the one we saw overnight. They haven't released any information, have they, in that regard? Not really, no. There's plenty of speculation flying around in Israel. <laughs> um, I think the Americans are putting them under a lot of pressure. The Americans are losing patience with all of this because while they continue to support Israel and what it does and they continue to arm them and equip them. Uh, they don't like the way Israel's fighting. They've said very, very clearly that the terrible things that happened to Israelis on the 7th of October do not give them a license, as Secretary of State Blinken put it, to dehumanize Palestinians and to, to kill so many of them and to can go about their military purposes with, with very little regard for Palestinian lives. Israel, of course, says that it's very careful about these things, but its leading ally, the United States, has made, very, made it very, very apparent 
that they don't believe that's the case. Mm -hmm. And this is a a delicate diplomatic moment as well because we had those plans for a ceasefire and on the other side we would see Hamas releasing more hostages. If this invasion in Rafah or this attack on Rafah happens, those plans are gone, aren't they? Um, Well, uh, probably for the time being, certainly slowed up. Hamas have apparently said that they attack Rafah that's it. They're not going to release any hostages. Um, the Americans are pushing, I'm being told by diplomats, very hard for some kind of a ceasefire deal. Maybe Netanyahu, who's a, you know, a very uh, astute political, political operator, maybe he's saying yes to his right wing, yes, we're going to attack Rafa, and then he's saying to the Americans, but first there's got to be a safety plan for Palestinians. That might take a while to put together. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fact is the Israelis are still participating in ceasefire talks. Just to go back to the two hostages who were released, there are two men on the older end of things, 60 and and 70, I understand, and they're they're well. They're they're being treated in hospital, but they're considered to be quite well. Yeah, they're being checked out, and apparently physically they're in in good shape. They weren't being held in some dank tunnel. They were in um, above ground in a residential building. So that's, um, that's not quite the way that people were thinking. The hostages were being held. I think it's pretty pretty clear that a lot of them are underground. And there's also an indeterminate number, no one really knows for certain, um, who've been killed in the course of the war and not least by Israeli airstrikes. Jeremy, thank you very much. Jeremy Bowen there from the BBC. And Dr Patrick Bury, as I said, is with us too. And Patrick, as you heard Jeremy saying there, there's still uncertainty around Israel's plan to expand the military operation in Gaza down into Rafah in the south. How likely do you think it is to happen? I think it's fairly likely. I think if you look at this from the Israeli perspective... They have said they've killed about what they assess as two-thirds of Hamas's fighters, about 9,000. And they, of course, there's 28,000 included in that, of that 9,000, that's included in the 28,000 civilians that Hamas's say are killed. So it goes to show you the vast uh, difference between um, the civilian casualties and the actual combatants killed. Um, and I think that the, from their perspective, they've done two thirds of this operation. We had the Gaza City, then Khan Yunus, and now the bottom third of Rafa. Uh, and they're like, well, why would we leave them? Why, you know, they've proven themselves in the Israeli terms an existential threat to them. Uh, Hamas have. Uh, they live in a. They inhabit a dangerous region. Uh, and I think there's the element, as uh, has been pointed at numerous times, of revenge and also laying down a marker that if you attack, attack us, it's gloves off and, and we'll destroy you and as many civilians as it takes to get to the line mm-hmm. uh, that we want to. So I think it's 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 likely, certainly, and I'm very interested to hear Je- Jeremy was saying how it might be a balancing act politically for Netanyahu at the moment. But ultimately, you know, we know he felt shame at this attack. He's got to appease his right wing and uh, he's certainly using it, the threat of it to uh, to get some leverage. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. But I think in, in terms of what we've seen so far, yes, it, it seems likely. And certainly the the 67 at least Palestinians killed to, to free two Israeli hostages sort of shows you the uh, direction of travel that we're all used to. And so many people we know who are sheltering in Rafah have already left their homes further uh, to the north in Gaza. Now, Israel has said that any... Uh, attack on Rafa would be preceded by an evacuation order. 
those people are not likely to move north, though, again. There really is no escape other than through the crossing into Egypt. Yeah, and the, which is closed. Where do they go? Uh, that is the thing. You know, most of northern Gaza, or a lot of it is destroyed. Uh, and Egypt has the southern Rafah crossing closed. So, And these are people living in tented accommodation, which provides no protection from any kind of ordinance which is coming in whatsoever. So unlike being in a built-up area, uh, you know, behind concrete and stone. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's incredibly worrying. I, I, I would say that Israel doesn't have to go about it this way militarily. And this is what the Americans are really putting weight on them is to is to stop pause for example if you're worried about Hamas fighters and tunnels you can actually use diggers if you think about it start digging out the ground and filling it with concrete around you can cordon and then you can start to use an intelligence you know picture battle special forces to get into the population identify who they are um, and kill them it's much higher risk uh, than uh, it's much higher risk than what they've been doing with the aerial bombardments but it is possible yeah but Patrick the other side of this is that there's huge pressure in Israel to have more of the those hostages released and we saw overnight that this targeted operation in which we know dozens of Palestinians were killed but two of those hostages were freed and are going to be back home if not already then very shortly so you can understand after the horrific attacks on October 7th that the people in Israel will want this to happen they'll want those people to be brought home yeah potentially but strategically that's a sideshow Claire to be honest with you and um it, you know the real issue the, it, the the rescue of the hostages has been the second uh, aim for the uh, Israeli military and the first has been the destruction of Hamas so uh, I, I think yes it's it's important politically at the domestic audience of course it is but uh, strategically it's it's not really the big question here mm-hmm. um it will be really interesting to see if the Americans decide I noticed there just in the last half hour the Dutch a Dutch court has ruled that the Dutch uh, companies cannot provide parts to the F for the F-35 jets, which the Israelis, Israelis are using um, in their bombardment. So it will be really interesting to see. And that's on hu- international humanitarian grounds. So it will be very interesting to see if the US considers pulling a rug on the intelligence and logistics support to the military, uh, because that would be the next step. I don't think that will happen. Um, uh, and I think Netanyahu is calculating it's an election year in in the US, Biden isn't in the strongest position. He can probably push his uh, chances look as much as he mm-hmm. uh, as he can here. So yeah, it's um, just extraordinary that that question is being asked when you consider the relationship up to now between America and Israel. That we're even asking whether America would pull that level of support. Well, but you know, you can ask the question: Is is it in U.S. strategic interests to be so closely aligned with Israel at the moment? That's a good question. What about Jordan? Seems to be a more uh, measured and. Uh, you know, affable ally in the region. Uh, so I think that is one question. But of course, it, then you get into the domestic US politics and, and the leverage is a power there and funding and support mm-hmm. for the Democrat Party. So, uh, and hence why we end up in a situation where we are. But um, yeah, it is interesting. And I certainly think, you know, the way that Blinken is saying is another way to fight this uh, and that there is a, a callousness about the way the Israelis have gone about their targeting. You know, just to put this in context, you know, they're now hitting 28,000 civilians. Uh, of which, let's say, 9,000 are, are combatant Hamas fighters. That is on par with four years of fighting in Aleppo. You know, It makes it one of the most intensely bloody urban battles since the end of the Second World War, if not the... So you know, it's off the charts. That's the thing we have to get, keep in our minds here. 
All right. And uh, Patrick, thank you very much for joining us. Patrick Bury there and Jeremy Bowen earlier, the BBC's international editor. Coming up next, Brian O'Connell reports on why so few people are claiming the vacant property grant. Text 51551. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.